From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of AMDG of 2024. Each January, to kick off a new year, we like to delve into aspects of Ignatian spirituality that might be particularly useful as we think about forming better habits and growing deeper in our relationship with God over the next 12 months. After all, Ignatian spirituality is all about discovering who God dreams we might be by better understanding the person God already knows we are and already loves. This year is no different. We're excited to welcome Jesuit priest Father Christopher Collins to the show today. Father Collins is the Vice President for a Mission at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. He's the author of several books, most recently, Habits of Freedom, Five Ignatian Tools for Clearing Your Mind and Resting Daily in the Lord, from Ave Maria Press. It's this book we discuss today. An important story from scripture that Father Collins returns to again and again in his book and in our conversation is that of the baptism of Jesus, which we celebrate on January 8th. It's an important day, not only in the life of Jesus, but also in our own spiritual journeys. The challenge, as Father Collins articulates, is to hear those words of God the Father to Jesus spoken also to us. Do we see ourselves as the beloved of God? We should, because remembering that essential piece of our identity can make all the difference as we begin a new year. If you'd like to pick up your own copy of Father Collins' book, there's a link in the show description. Now, here's Father Christopher Collins. Father Christopher Collins, welcome to AMDG. We're glad you're with us today. I'm glad to be here too. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, of course. Uh, so we're here. To, I want to. Um, we're here to talk about the new year because because the new year is upon us, uh, and we want to do that by way of um, this great book that you have written, uh, the habits habits of freedom: five Ignatian tools for clearing your mind and resting daily in the Lord. And the premise of your book, right, is that Ignatian spirituality can help us form better practices to live the lives that God desires for us. Um, and obviously, the start of the new year is uh, a time when many people are thinking about their habits and how to cultivate new ones. So I'm wondering, kind of from a spiritual perspective, how are you approaching 2024? Well, I'm looking forward to a new start, uh, like many, probably. You know, I think uh, life happens to, to all of us, and we always, uh, it's a good opportunity to get the big picture again, and where are we uh, in, the, in the, how our lives are going, how we see God seeing us, um, how I'm making the choices that, that really do, like Ignatius says, you know, to, to choose our, the end for which we are created, you know, because we get obscured and blurred in a lot of different ways and, and our senses get dulled and so on. So it's always a good chance to, to start over again and, and to remember the big picture and say, okay, yeah, what, what are the choices that I want to be making and how do I want to be living in a way that can help me come fully, you know, more alive in, in Christ. So it's a good, good new start for all of us. Yeah, no, I think it's, that's, that's, that's well said. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's as arbitrary as sometimes it feels to say like, oh, January 1st is when we're going to form new habits. It is nice to have that kind of a little bit of encouragement that like, hey, here's a, here's a new start. Every day is a new start, but here's a particular kind of new start. And, and how will we respond? Right. 
I, I'm wondering, so, you know, foundational to your book, right, and to Ignatian spirituality in general, um, are Ignatius's rules for discernment. And I, I think people obviously hear discernment a lot in Ignatian spirituality, but people may not be as familiar with um, Ignatius's particular rules. So I wonder if you might just give us a brief overview of them and then how you, you begin to use them as you think about habits. Yeah, I think one way to think about it within Ignatian spirituality is, as I mentioned before, Ignatius has that uh, idea of the principle and foundation, gives the big picture about what life is all about. We are made for union with God. So all the choices that we make and activities that we undertake, ideally, we're always um, making those choices in light of our true end, which is love of God and letting God love us. Uh, but then, you know, life gets complicated and we have a lot of different things and, and obstacles and sometimes obstacles of our own doing. Sometimes life just happens and we get dinged up along the way and our vision gets kind of uh, scattered or blurred a little bit. So he also gives these rules for discernment of spirits to say, look, we're, we all have free will. <clears throat> God's created all of us uh, in, in freedom. But we also, it's true that there's, there are outside forces acting on us on a spiritual level. So the Holy Spirit is always operating on us and, and leading us to greater faith and hope and love, uh, greater freedom. And then the evil spirit or the enemy of our true human nature, as Ignatius calls Satan, uh, there's, there's a bad spirit that also works on us to get us uh, blocked from making those ultimate choices for God. So we can get turned in on ourselves in all kinds of different ways and in discouragement, in self-pity and shame, guilt, whatever it might be. So the enemy is always trying to get us closed in on ourself and separated from God, but the Holy Spirit is always trying to move us toward a greater union with God. So Ignatius also gives some particular rules or guidelines as to how to pay attention. When is the Holy Spirit moving me and how do I cooperate with that? And then when when is the evil spirit or the, the enemy operating on me to get me closed in on myself? And I don't want to cooperate with the action of the of the evil one that, that leaves me lonely and discouraged and fearful and so on. So it's some practical guidelines in the spiritual life that he that he uh, lays out for us. Yeah, no, and, and they're so helpful, right? Because, you know, it, obviously, you know, it, it, the spiritual life is more than just following a, a set of rules, but it is so helpful to have these, these guidelines, these kind of, because Ignatius's experience is so reflective, I think, of so many of our own kind of spiritual journey, right? He, he taps into something um, kind of at the root of the human experience that that I think is is valuable to all of us. So I think probably many of our, our listeners are, are familiar with Ignatian spirituality, perhaps with the exercises themselves, but it's really worth spending some time with these um, with these rules for discernment to see, uh, again, you know, how can that help you as you as you build your own habits? Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I mean, rules sounds like it's uh, like moral commands from the outside or something. It's not really that, I don't think. It's it's more um, some some ways of paying attention to what's going on inside me, and some usually we don't really recognize it until after the fact, but I can recognize oftentimes in hindsight, yeah, that was the Holy Spirit moving me on toward greater generosity and freedom and and love. But you know, I also got myself in some ruts, and so maybe in hindsight, I was maybe cooperating with the evil spirit that let me get closed into myself too. So. So they're not really rules in the sense of like moral commands, but but um, ways of paying attention maybe to what's going on inside of me and how God's operating. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, 
you you've mentioned a couple times that a lot of this you know kind of way of of proceeding involves you know us seeing God and us seeing God looking at us right how is God perceiving and 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 delighting in us right um, and I think there's no greater text for at least personally speaking than the baptism of of Jesus of to see how how does God see us um, as God's beloved right um, so I you use this this story a number of times in your in your book um, and and of course you know at the beginning of the new year we we mark the baptism of of the Lord. So I'm wondering if you might reflect a little bit on uh, that story as it pertains again to how how might we set ourselves up as we begin a new year. Yeah, I think in some ways I, I go back to it again and again, uh, the baptism scene in the Gospels, because I think it gives us a great, um, first of all, it happened for Jesus, and that's important, right? And that baptism is for all of us but also gives us like a, an imaginative framework for who am I really? Because all, you know, life gets confusing and we, we get latched on to all kinds of different identities that we might have or things that seem important. But in the end, ultimately, being beloved sons and daughters of God, that's our fundamental identity, you know? And so going back again and again to that imaginative framework, like that's who I most deeply, truly am. And I'm, I'm not a solo operator. I'm not, you know, an independent, you know, trying to be Superman kind of thing. It, I'm always in relationship. And the, the most basic relationship is, uh, and, you know, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, call God our Father, right? It's all of us together have God who sees us as beloved uh, children. So so seeing, seeing, you know, being reminded of who we truly are from God's perspective, always his beloved, and that 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 shapes how we see ourselves and how we want to operate in the world then, you know, because, you know, God's always got our back, just like any loving parent, you know, if a, if a kid really gets that, that uh, she or he is, is loved, he's going to have freedom and confidence to move into the world too. And I think that's ultimately how it is with God and us. Yeah. And I mean, freedom and confidence would be great things to cultivate uh, as we, you know, begin any sort of new new experience, but particularly uh, a new year. So, you know, the story, obviously, you know, the story of Jesus's baptism quickly gives way to the uh, the temptations in the desert. Um, and you spend a good time, uh, a good deal of time on this story as well. And and particularly on the, um, the, the quote unquote ifs, right, that the enemy presents. And I, I like that. So I'm wondering if, if you might to reflect a little bit for us on how we might detect these ifs in our own spiritual lives and how we can push back against them. Yeah, that really struck me years ago when I was kind of thinking about those, those are those are pieced together, the baptism and then the temptations. It's like one story. And the contrast is is remarkable because God is very simple in in speaking to Jesus. You know, when the Father says, You are my beloved son, period. It's a fact. It's right now, it's in the present tense, it's just clear. Then the enemy wants to make it complicated. And then following up in the temptation saying, if you really are the son of God, so calling into question what, what God already said. So, so making those ifs, if you really are, then prove it, you know, you turn the stone into bread, let's see what you've got or make the father prove it, you know, throw yourself off the parapet of the temple, see if he catches you. So, so the enemy wants to make things complicated, put it into the uncertain realm in the future, you know, and, and. The what ifs, and I think that's a pretty deep way of of looking at how we all get tripped up in our own life. Am I really? Am I really beloved? Do I really have the goods? Am I? Um, uh, maybe ha have I ruined my life? And it's just you know, there's no shot for redemption in the future. What if? 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 
what if I hadn't done this or said that in the past, you know, or what if this thing happens in the future? And so all those, that just kind of struck me as one way of thinking about those, uh, the temptations from the enemy that are super attractive and interesting is the what ifs, but that can also get us paralyzed, you know, and I think it's the chance to come back to the simple truth and reality of who we are because God sees us at every moment and says, you are my beloved daughter and you are well pleased. You are my beloved son. And you are well, that's all you need to know, right? In the end, that's all you need to know. And if I could live out of that, then I would have much greater freedom and, and confidence and generosity to live, live my own mission in the world. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I like that a lot, the idea of that, that God is very simple in presenting God's love and, and, and the enemy is very, you know, tricky, right? Treacherous, you know, complex. Um, that, that's, that's helpful. Um, you, you've, you've talked a lot about both in, in kind of thinking about the discernment, the rules for discernment, right? We kind of look back on our, on our history, um, and see where the spirit has been at work, where the enemy has been at work. And even now you, you kind of, as we're thinking about the ifs, all the what ifs from the past. And I know the, in the Ignatian tradition, right, we have this, this concept of a graced history, um, as a way, right, of, of kind of engaging with our, uh, our, our past as raw material for prayer and, 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 and insight into going forward. How, might we use a graced history at this kind of moment in our own lives, looking back over previous years, looking forward um, to uh, better understand where we're going uh, in the future? Yeah, I think looking at our history is always helpful not to get sucked into it and paralyzed by it, but to remember, you know, maybe especially when things have gone south in, in my past, when either I've made mistakes or I've been hurt, you know, from the outside and it felt like I was alone, but I was actually not alone. So if I can see my history in light of grace, that even when, when I was really at my lowest point or when I was feeling most lonely or rejected or, or whatever it might be, uh, the Lord was with me there too. So I can see, and even when I screwed it up, you know, if it was my own doing, I was still loved even in that, in that selfishness. And I'm a, I'm a loved sinner, you know, one of the ways that the, Jesuit spirituality talks about it. I am a love sinner. So looking at my history in light of uh, God's love for me, which is kind of baffling. Like, why would he keep loving me when I have made a mess out of things? But he does, you know. So, all right, well, that gives me an impetus for the for the future, too. Again, back to that confidence and freedom, looking forward to the future. Yeah, relentless. I like that's a, that's a helpful word. So um, I want to get to a very specific point in your book because this really moved me. And um, you, you tell a story about a simple conversation between you and a professor. And you end the, the story with these words, quote, uh, that is a pretty unimpressive story now that I tell it, but I do remember that turning point as if it were yesterday, end quote. And I was really struck by this because, um, you know, I think so often in our own lives, we have moments of profound grace uh, that when analyzed in retrospect seem just so ordinary and simple and maybe even a little silly. Uh, and yet we know that moment uh, or that encounter was really pregnant with God and God's grace. So how, how do you stay grounded in your own ordinary moments so that you're available to encounter God's spirit in these very simple things that, again, like you wouldn't tell this story at a party because, you know, there's nothing to it. But for you, it's so important. Yeah, well, that, that one story was when I was in the middle of writing my dissertation. And there's a kind of lot of isolation in writing a dissertation. You know, you just... Uh, you got to spend a lot of time alone with the books and everything. And, and I just got myself kind of stuck and I couldn't like make any progress in producing and writing and keep the writing moving. And then I started to panic and so on. And anyway, I just went up, went to go talk to one of my uh, professors who was on my committee and it was a relatively short conversation, but there was just something about talking stuff out in that 
moment that I just, I mean, my horizons just kind of opened up again. It's like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. It's something mysterious about talking things out. Like don't keep it to yourself and don't let yourself get, get paralyzed or, or, you know, stuck in, in fear or, or whatever about the future. There's something I think very mysterious about saying the truth of where I am to another, to another trusted friend, ultimately say those things to Jesus, you know, talk it out. And there's something, I don't know what it is, but it's pretty powerful. I think because that's what we're made for is that relationship in the first place. So if I'm trying to handle everything or think through everything by myself in my own head, it is never going to go well. I think I get more and more convinced of that. So get 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 out of being stuck in our own thoughts and our own heads, and get out into relationship, including the things that I've been thinking about. Yeah, no, I, I'm always struck. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like that, there, there's a lot that can kind of come out of conversation. Um, and uh, uh, but it, but it's even like I think we often think, oh, God is going to work in our lives in a way that's going to make for a good story, or it's going to make for a good um, like this is going to be awesome to tell to people. And really, it's just it, it's just an experience that it, it's you know it's experience of God and another person, the experience of God and us, God you know, in the room. Um, and 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 you know we we uh, I don't know if we just could do, I my in my own spiritual direction I often feel. Um, as though I show up without any information or, you know, oh, I haven't done a very good job praying this month or whatever it is. Um, and then I get talking with my, with my director and suddenly realize like how present God has been in my life. Um, and he pulls, you know, he pulls a little bit out, but, but it's, it's just, it's just in, as you say, as in the conversation. So I'm wondering how, if you have any tips for how we can better listen, um, both to ourselves, right? God within us, um, and to others in such a way that we're able to then, um, better realize and recognize God in our lives, but where God is also inviting us to go. Cause I think that's also part of the piece of part of the puzzle. Yeah. I think that's interesting about the spiritual direction experience. And, you know, uh, especially when it comes to our faith life and spirituality, we do want, we kind of want to be impressive and we want to have good insights and, and have it be dramatic somehow. And it's probably good to just let that go because really it is in the little things where God is most, to be found and where, where life really is sacred, really the, the modest uh, little things in life. And, and so I think it's just kind of practicing that obviously within a Jesuit podcast, you probably talked about the examine any number of times here too, but, but looking back at the little things that happen every day, not the big, I think it's kind of interesting when you do an examine or review of the day, if, if I was all worked up about whatever big thing was coming up, it's kind of funny once that thing has happened, like in hindsight, if I do an examine, for me at least, it's kind of funny how little that seems to be of import, that whatever that big thing was, but that was um, on a presentation or some, but it's the little things that stand out. And I think that's telling, you know, I mean, because that's where, that's where it's sacred, you know, and that's where less ego is involved too, maybe, you know, when I'm able to be surprised on a daily basis about where there's beauty or or love or joy in, in small things. I mean, that's not of my own doing. It, so I'm not the ego maker of those big dramatic things, you know. Instead, those are all gifts from God. So I think it's just trying to cultivate that habit of paying attention to the little things that are that are beautiful or sacred or or are life giving. Yeah, absolutely. So in your book, I think in this in this kind of section on listening, you know, you you, you put us in the uh, the scene of the road to Emmaus, and you pull out that line from Jesus, what are you talking about? Is there anything more from that particular piece of scripture that you think listeners um, should take with them as they're thinking about listening? 
Yeah, to me, that story of uh, disciples on the way to Emmaus gives a great paradigm for prayer in daily life, frankly, that's just conversational. And it starts with those disciples being in a place of discouragement. And so I think that's why that's super helpful. They are grumbling to each other about what has just gone on. They're mumbling and grumbling and complaining and blaming and feeling sorry for themselves, all kinds of stuff, understandably. But then Jesus kind of sidles up in a very gentle way alongside him and, said, and tries to tease them out of themselves. You know, So what are you guys talking about? And then they kind of have a pretty edgy first round. Are you the only person who doesn't know what's going on? You know, there's, they're hurt and they're afraid and they have that kind of edge to their first response, which is understandable. And then Jesus just kind of takes it. And then he says, what, what kinds of things have been going on? So I think there's just something great. Just those two little open-ended questions that he gives to those disciples, I think are good for me and maybe for us to let him ask us those questions on a daily basis when we are discouraged, bitter, cynical, fearful, anxious, whatever it is. What, what are you talking about? What's Maybe especially, what are you talking about in your own head? You know, Because we all have stuff going on in our own heads that we're muttering about, either blaming other people for things or blaming ourselves. And let Jesus coax us out of ourselves by those questions. And just tell them. Tell them how you see the world. Tell them how, you're, how you feel. Tell them why things look so bleak for you right now. Just And you don't need to clean it up at all or make it nicer for him. Just say exactly what it is that's in your own head. And I think, you know, by the end of that, that story, they're in a totally different place, obviously, because they've been having this back and forth dialogue with, with Jesus, you know. And I think that's, that's why I think it's a great paradigm for our, our prayer in daily life, you know, especially if I'm stuck, discouraged, grumpy, whatever it might be. Tell them what I'm mad about or, or sad about or whatever. And then, and then let that dialogue start unfolding. And then I get into a different place once I've gotten, gotten kind of those toxins out of me and, and set it out loud to him. And he gets, I see things differently once I'm talking to him instead of to myself. So along that same line of, of thought, you know, we, you've, you've already talked about how we are God's beloved, right? That's, that's our identity, our key identity. And we may know that in our head, but, but often maybe in how we talk about ourselves, either internally or externally, um, we, we aren't talking about ourselves as though we are the beloved of God. So how can we work on that again in this new year? And what would it do kind of or in your own reflection? How does it reflect back on us? What can it do for our own lives? But how can it also change who we are in community? Yeah, again, if I if I know that I am beloved, not just intellectually or in a, at the idea of the level of ideas, but if I just feel it, if I know it, if I'm living it, I'm just going to be acting differently, you know? And, you, you know, the great contrast of that is, you know, a sullen middle schooler who feels, you could just feel how uncomfortable they feel in, in themselves, you know, with their hats down and earbuds in and, and just and they're you can tell they're just kind of like afraid of the world and 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 angsty and everything and that's kind of the great example of the counter. I mean, they they're just going through that stage in life, but what they are not totally experiencing is that they are loved, obviously, you know, because they're so wrapped up in themselves and their feeling of inadequacies and so on. It's understandable that's part of life, but we still have those moments later in life too, after middle school too. But um, but what what's it going to take to break in? to let God's tell me who I am from his perspective, you know, instead of me judging myself or beating myself up for things or feeling inadequate or feeling like, like I need to prove things to other people and 
let God tell me who I am. And let that be the, the, the truth of, of um, who I am. And then I just live differently. Then I, I interact differently. I feel like I've got the confidence. And then I'm going to go out into the world and, and let that love flow through me, too. And I'm going to have my focus on other people instead of focused on myself and all of my, all of my uh, you know, troubles and woes and inadequacies and lies that I believe about myself, too. So, I don't know. I just think that's kind of the, an ongoing struggle in life, really, is to get out of myself um, and to get my, first of all, hear who I am from the Lord and then live out of that as I interact with other people. Yeah, I um, think that's spot on. And I also love the idea of those like your hat is too low, like the middle schooler. And, and so like, just like spiritually speaking, just, hey, man, lift up your hat, pull your hat up. You know, that's what you got to keep in your mind. <laughs> so, so last question, you know, um, in your conclusion, you invite us to find ourselves in the stories of scripture as a, as a sort of spiritual anchor. Um, so how do you suggest listeners do that as we be, uh, begin this new year? What's what's the way what's the way in? Well, I mean, certainly in the Gospels themselves, if you can take a little time, like looking at those even Sunday Gospel coming up and and just trying to savor what's going on in those, let those scriptures come alive. You know, you've, maybe you've heard them a bunch of times and you know what's going on, but try to imagine, you know, that whole Jesuit thing of praying with scripture, of using the imagination, get into the particulars. What was it like in that scene? And these are real people, right? These are real circumstances. It's a real place. Uh, where all these different interactions happened and to try to let those, those characters come alive. And um, just, I, I think if you can spend a little time just savoring the gospel coming up for a Sunday, for example, or even, even, uh, you know, like the show, the chosen that's, that's had such a big splash. And I think it's pretty helpful um, to see some actual characters. Here's one rendition of what these interactions with Jesus looked like. I think it just kind of helps the imagination. I mean, the downside of that can be like, that becomes our only vision of what the gospels were like, but, but at least it gets our, gets our gears turning our imagination going that, you know, these are real people interacting with Jesus. Jesus is interacting with people in real circumstances in their lives. And, and that's still the story that we are in right now, you know, um, and Jesus wants to be speaking to us and listening to us and seeing where we are and, and accompanying us uh, along the way too. So. Yeah, that's really helpful. The idea of, of um, kind of what, what what other you know st- obviously praying with the gospels, but then also finding seeking out other um, I don't say renditions, but versions of you know the story of Jesus, and and just for kind of using for for ways of fueling our imagination. I think that's I mean, perhaps a good a good practice as we begin a new year. Father Collins, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Hope you'll come back. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, and happy New Year. Happy New Year. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, Kristen Smith, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get our weekly email reflection series, Now Discern This, by visiting jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, 
as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>